Well, hello, everyone. It's the Kingfisher Podcast with Eric and Bronwyn Whitley. We're glad you're listening with us today, and uh, we hope that you really enjoy today's topic, which is a strategy for spiritual warfare. Now, for fun, I mean, could this be the best strategy for spiritual warfare? Well, let's talk about it and see. (laughs) All right. This comes from uh, my book, Armed. It's one of the chapters in my book. And if you want to find out more about this strategy and read more in detail, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of that. So now that that shameless plug is uh, out there, uh, (laughs) let's talk about... It's a principle I call the displacement principle, and this is a title I've given it. But the idea is basically based on John 1, 5, that darkness is always displaced by light. So light overcomes darkness always. In John 1, 5, it just says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness was not able to overcome it. And from that simple little verse, I've kind of developed this principle. Now, this all stems out of leading intercessors and praying in spiritual warfare situations where we are battling darkness of some kind. So when we have an event or we have some sort of conference going on at the church, many times we have intercessors who are praying throughout that whole service, through that whole time, and sensing what's happening in the spiritual realm and praying, you know, either partnering with God with what he's doing or praying against what the enemy's trying to do, whether it's a distraction or whether there's, and it can be all kinds of things like lights going out or something not working or whatever, that you might just go, oh, well, that's just a technical fault. But sometimes it's a spiritual obstruction and it's spiritual warfare that the enemy's trying to prevent what God's wanting to do from happening. Yeah, so it's basically you're bringing God's kingdom and will in to a situation rather than allowing the enemy to have his way. Yeah, well, you know, I think about uh, the movie The Water Boy, which I know you hate, but, <laughs> but the character of his mother in that... I just don't like silly humor. I'm sorry, I just don't. Yeah, but you love Dumb and Dumb. Well, that is a classic, okay. and it's so funny. Yeah. But generally, I don't like silly humor. Uh, I think there's... A little bit of double logic there, but that's okay. In that movie, the water boy's mother is hilarious. She she cracks me up, but she sees, you know, as we sometimes say in the church, a demon behind every bush. Like everything that he wants to do in life, she'll go, that's the devil. And, you know, watching TV is the devil. Playing foosball is the devil. You know, right. it's hilarious. And so she's just seeing the wrong in everything. She's seeing darkness in everything. And I share that to say that's been my experience with most Christians, particularly when I work with intercessors who are very spiritually switched on. I find that they can always sense darkness, but they sense it first. They always can see what the enemy's doing. Yeah. Like it's just kind of this natural thing. They see what the enemy's doing way before they ever sense what God's doing. Okay. Just as just as kind of a yeah common experience. I mean, just living in the world, I guess you do see a lot of what the enemy is doing just naturally, let alone in the spiritual. Yeah. So, so but you know, when we're we're doing spiritual warfare, it's so common for someone to go, "Oh, there's a, a sense of fear in the room." Yeah. That's the thing that comes up generally is not fear specifically, but that's usually how it starts: is "Oh, there's fear in the room tonight," or "There's hopelessness in the room." I sense hopelessness, and that's all great because okay, well now we've identified what we're battling. But I found that it's kind of laborious and hard and sometimes taxing to just fight darkness. 
So yeah, to, it's not fun. Just to do a head-on attack and go, all right, well, there's fear in the room. Okay, well, in Jesus' name, I'm praying against fear, and fear, you have no right, you know, and you go into this big spiritual warfare prayer yeah. against fear. Well, what I found, which is much more pleasant, and actually I found to be much more effective, is I start to pray in the opposite spirit. We know what the darkness is, so I just want to introduce light. Yeah. Because just like if you walk into a dark room and you flip on the switch, the light doesn't struggle to displace the darkness in that room. It just comes on and the darkness goes. Like darkness does not really fight against light. It can't. It cannot overcome it. I found this sort of by accident and just stumbled across it myself because, I mean, you, you know this story, but one time we took our family to the beach and we were all swimming in the ocean. We have a favourite beach that we go to and, you know, we live in Australia so the beaches here are amazing and we love to go there and it's not that far away from us. And we were at our favourite beach and there was a man standing up on the headland who was playing a didgeridoo and doing some sort of a ritual. And now this is not any kind of slight on playing the didgeridoo or indigenous culture. I love indigenous culture. I love didgeridoos. I love all that stuff. Love my indigenous brothers and sisters. Um, this is just simply that he was doing some sort of spiritual ritual on the headland looking over the beach. And we could feel there was some sort of oppressive um, spiritual force going on. Spiritual heaviness, for yeah, sure. Yeah, there was a spiritual heaviness it. across the whole beach with all these families on there, um, you know, swimming with their kids and everything. And you looked up and you said, oh, he's calling in some spirits. I can see these dark spirits coming in from the horizon across the ocean into the land. And you could see him. He was, like, doing these beckoning movements and stuff as he's playing the didgeridoo, and it was quite dark. And so what I did was... I just turned my back to him and I um, looked around and I thought, you know, the ocean is so beautiful, the sky, it's a stunning day. And I just turned my affection towards God and I started worshipping and praising him for his beautiful creation and who he is and how faithful he is and how good he is and how much I love him. And in my mind, I wasn't doing this out loud, I was just in my mind, I just started worshipping and praising him. I didn't have any goal, I didn't have a plan, I was just doing that because I felt like it. And you were still watching the guy. And then you said to me, huh, he just stopped playing and looked confused, packed up and left. And I thought, that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) So what happened was that I worshipped and I um, brought a different atmosphere. I I call it changing the atmosphere, but it's the same thing as the displacement principle. Yeah. And so I worshipped and I, I brought God's presence to that location and the the enemy couldn't stand it you know the darkness fled and I didn't have to do spiritual warfare prayers I didn't have to condemn anything or denounce anything or bind anything I just simply turned my affection towards God and started worshiping for him for who he is and that changed the atmosphere for the whole beach and it was in my head as well I didn't even say it out loud and that was quite a you know learning experience for me yeah that's a perfect example of Spiritual warfare done in a way that keeps our focus on God. That's why I love the displacement principle is because you're not focused on whatever the darkness is. You focus on God and what he's saying, what he's doing, worshiping him. 
and it focuses on, you know, it goes to that, that passage uh, about whatever is pure, whatever is holy, you know, whatever is good. Think about these things. Mm. And it keeps your focus on that, on that side of things as opposed to battling darkness. Um, the way Battling I, darkness just really, it wears you down eventually. Like it, it does. It wears you out. You get sick of it. Nobody wants to look at the darkness all the time. It's demoralizing. Yeah. And, and so worshiping God, that's awesome. It fills you up. It makes you feel good. It gives you joy and peace and hope. And so with this principle, it's just, it's about light. And one of the things I say is it's much more effective to battle the enemy, not on the battlefield, but in the sanctuary. To go and be on our knees, to be worshiping, to focus on God and what he's doing and who he is and what he's about, as opposed to whatever the enemy's trying to do. I just think it's a really powerful way to pray. It's a really powerful way to do spiritual warfare. And as you say, like when you're always constantly battling darkness head on, it's exhausting and it's not pleasant. I've been there, done that, and don't want the t-shirt. So um, <laughs> I just find... By introducing light. And when I say light, basically it's partnering with God. And whatever, as I say, if it's fear, you would be praying for love. So the way I would enact this kind of principle, so if there is, we're battling a a sense of fear or an atmosphere of fear, I wouldn't go, I'm against fear and go away. I would start going, God, would you just release now an atmosphere of your love? Your perfect love, God. Would you just pour it out? Would you surround every person who's in this room right now with your perfect love? The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So sometimes it might be in our words. It might be in our attitudes, even in our thoughts as you, you know, you're just praying in your mind. It might actually need to be physically acted out. So God, I'm going to go around and hug everybody and just, you know, do a physical act of love towards them. And so now I'm focused on love. I'm not focused on fear. Yeah. And what happens is that, as you say, the atmosphere shifts, it changes, that darkness is removed, and the light comes in. And it's just a really brilliant way, I have found, to conduct spiritual warfare. Yeah. I've got another story. These are examples that you can understand these principles for everyday life. So we have three kids, and our eldest, when she was in uh, grade five, she was having some friendship issues, which I think is just a rite of passage for a grade five girl. But she was having friendship issues, and so I encouraged her to make some new friendships, which she did. And she met with a group of girls at her school who were so lovely, they were really sweet, they welcomed her in and she was playing with them every day and she was she was happy. And then a few months passed by and I noticed that for several weeks she had been sort of down and sad, which was not like her at all. She's generally a pretty happy, positive kid. I would ask her, you know, how was your day? How are you? And she'd always say, oh, fine, everything's good. So one day I finally I just had to say, okay, I'm getting concerned because you seem sad and so I I need you to tell me what's going on. And she said, I have no friends. And I said, what happened? You had this whole group of friends. What's going on? And she then she relayed to me that at lunchtime one of the girls had encouraged all of the others to join in doing transcendental meditation in the playground every lunchtime. Our daughter, who we'd never talked about transcendental meditation, I didn't really even know what it was. I had heard of it, and I knew that it probably wasn't something a Christian should be involved in, but I hadn't discussed that with my grade five daughter. But we had taught her how to use discernment, and we had taught her how to listen to her conscience and listen to Holy Spirit to know whether something was right or wrong and to not ignore those promptings. And so she had 
been with the girls when they started doing this transcendental meditation and she had said it didn't feel right it didn't feel good and so I chose not to participate and so for several weeks she'd been sitting by herself at lunchtime and had not told me about it so the first thing I did was of course got upset about it but then I I knew several of the other mothers and I knew that some of them would not be okay with what they were doing so I messaged them and just said this is what's happening I just thought you might like to know. Well, the next day, our daughter went to school and the girl, the ringleader, screamed at her in front of everyone in in the playground, blamed her for me shutting the whole thing down and um, made her cry. And so when she came home that afternoon and told me that, I thought, okay, well, we need to take a different approach. Let's pray about it instead. And so we prayed about it and I said, you know, watch what God does. He's going to take care of this, okay? And then a few days later, the girls started up again. They'd been banned by their parents from doing it, but they all started up again in the playground doing transcendental meditation every day. And so our daughter came home and she said to me, they're doing it again and I've got no one to play with all over again. And I thought, well, I can't just keep running to the parents. So I took my daughter to school and when the bell rang, I walked around the playground and I prayed. And I said... This playground, I'm claiming it for you, Jesus. This is my area of authority. It's my metron. It's my kid's school. I'm claiming this for you, Jesus. I invite Holy Spirit in. And I just walked around and I just said, the enemy, you no longer have authority here. You cannot operate in this way anymore. And instead, I'm inviting Holy Spirit and giving this school to you, dedicating it to you, Father God. I just walked around the playground, the area where they'd been doing the meditation and did that and then went home. And then that afternoon when I picked her up from school, I said, how did it go? And she was so excited, this big grin on her face, and she said, they tried to do it and they couldn't. It didn't work. So they went and played with me on the playground. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's, again, another perfect example of introducing the light. You weren't necessarily fighting whatever darkness was operating there, but you just invited Holy Spirit in. Yeah. And as he, you switched on a spiritual light and that spiritual darkness had to go. And they never did it again at that school. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just encourage everyone, you know, you can do this in every area of your life where you have authority. You know, your metron, I call it your metron, but it's just your area of influence and authority. So if you find that you've got a lot of conflict in your workplace and people are not getting along and they're fighting and there's drama and all that sort of thing when you're in your workplace walk around and silently pray and just invite holy spirit in and claim it as your area of influence if your home is full of conflict do the same i think we overlook the church a lot of the times you know if your church if you've got people fighting in your church and bickering going on and people trying to split and go in different directions which happens in a lot of small churches in particular people judging each other go to your church every week go every day if you can and walk around the church and pray invite holy spirit in claim the area as gods and just ban the darkness from being there well see i would add to that and just say well if it's disunity be praying for unity god may our hearts be all aligned together as one with you give us love for one another where there's you know resentment would you replace that with your love you know that kind of prayer is how you apply the displacement principle is just praying in that instead of, again, like I say, it's not focused on darkness. It's focused on light. It's focused on him. And I think the reason why we perceive darkness so much easier than, than what God is doing is because it it's often based in feelings. Like we feel it, you know, just like you're talking about on the beach, 
we didn't know what the guy was doing. I'm not an expert on Aboriginal spirituality or any of that sort of stuff, but we could sense in our spirit that whatever he was doing was not good, that it had a heaviness to it, it had a darkness to it. So I think God's given us that discernment and those perceptions, not for us to focus on, because as I said before, he wants us to think about whatever's good, whatever's pure. He wants us to think about those things, keep our mind on that, which is sometimes really, really hard, particularly with the news and media and social media and everything that's thrown our way. So much of it is negative and dark. It's hard to keep our minds on what's pure and what's right. But when we start, I think when we start to feel that heaviness, that oppressiveness that the enemy brings, when we start to feel that, instead of sitting there and, I guess, wallowing in it or worried about it or whatever, just immediately turn to God. And as you say, I mean, worship is just a fantastic thing. I know a lot of times that's my advice to people if they're saying their home doesn't feel good. Well, put some worship music on. Play worship music when you're at home and see if it changes the atmosphere. Yeah, and it's really, worship is really about turning your affection towards God. I think that's a Bill Johnson quote, and I love it so much because it really helps us to understand what worship is. It's not just about music. Like a lot of times we as Christians think, oh, worship, that's music. No, it's not. It's a heart posture. You turn your heart towards God. You turn your affection towards him. And you can just think, like you can just literally feel, feel affectionate thoughts towards him and that's worship you can say in your mind you know you are so good you're so faithful I love you that's worship you know praising him and admiring him and loving him that's all worship and you can do that silently or out loud wherever you are in your home your church your workplace and you will change the atmosphere of that place yeah for sure and I love that it's an active thing like turning your affection like affection, yes, it can be a feeling or, or a thought of some sort, but really affection is only properly done in action. Like, it, you know, if I sit here silently and never, ever say I love you, never give you a hug or whatever else, now I might love you in my heart, but until I display that affection I have for you, it doesn't mean a whole lot and it's not very effective or powerful. And I think that activeness of turning our affection, so it's a choice, and it's also an action of really looking towards God and giving something of ourselves, like giving him praise, giving him glory, giving him attention. It's an active act. When we do that, again, it's so much more pleasant than trying to fight darkness. You know, and can on. you imagine if all the Christians around the world were doing this in their homes, their workplace, their schools, their street, if your street is having a lot of break-ins, you know, we've had people on our, in our neighbourhood saying all of the houses on their street have had break-ins and yet we pray over our house and, with, and we prayed over our neighbour's house too because she kept having break-ins and she's had no more break-ins. So imagine if you walked up and down your street each day and just prayed peace over your street and worshipped God and just made it a place that was where Holy Spirit lives or your workplace or your church or all of these places of influence that we have in our lives, imagine if all the Christians did this, how different our world would be. Well, that brings up the point. I think so many Christians feel powerless, but yet we've been given so much power. Like we really have a lot of power, not abusive power like a and dictator. And it's not our own power. It's not our own power, but and, but it's not abusive dictator kind of power. It's power to bring God's presence into the world. 
I saw a, a video just the other day of like a college student and they were having a debate with a, a preacher and he's going, well, why doesn't Jesus come right now? I know he came before. I'll give you that. Maybe he came before, but why won't he come right now to this college campus and show that he's real and show that he loves us? If he did that, I would believe. And I think the reason Jesus doesn't is because he's now given us his authority. We are his representatives. We're the ones that are supposed to be releasing his love and demonstrating. That's it. Demonstrating his love, demonstrating his power. And when I talk about power, you can feel a little uncomfortable about that, but It's not, as I say, it's not a power that controls other people. It's a power to bring God's kingdom. And when I say God's kingdom, I mean all the things that embody who God is and his his reign, his love, his peace, his joy, his hope, all the all the things. It's like I'll say changing the atmosphere to being one of God and everything good as opposed to darkness and everything bad. Yeah, and I think this principle helps us to change how we pray. You know, if you're in an office that is really challenging and you're uncomfortable there and you're sad there or whatever, you're not happy, many times we would pray, oh, God, just help me get through this day and whatever else. That's the, I think that's the wrong kind of prayer. I think you should be praying and using this power, using the displacement principle going, God, would you just release whatever it is that needs to be in that office? Peace and unity and... Understanding, um, yeah. wisdom, whatever. Forgiveness. Cooperation, what, whatever. <laughs> All the good things. Like whatever it may be. And you may find that there's a lot of power in that. We, we have a friend who owns like an engineering company and he was sharing, uh, he's a Christian and he was sharing... You know, they started out as just a small company, but he and his partner would come in and pray over every desk and chair and employee each morning. And like this thing has just grown and grown and grown. And not every employee there is a believer, but they're praying for blessing. They're praying for creativity. They pray for all these good things over their employees. And God has blessed that. He's blessed those individuals and he's blessed the company and it has grown and it has grown. And I think as Christians, if we could start to pray with power this way, we would really impact the world positively. I can't go to your business and pray this. You're there. You know, that's where you work. That's your sphere of influence. So if you go and you start to bring the light of God into that place, it will change. It will change things. Maybe not the first day. Sometimes these things are hard to shift. Sometimes it takes consistency. Sometimes it takes perseverance. But can you imagine if every Christian in their sphere of influence and their family and their work and their school started to pray like this? Yeah, it would change the world. It really would. And it's just as simple as praying. And I think we take that for granted so often. Well, I, I think that it's hard for people to see the, the way that it actually impacts things because it's in the spiritual realm, so you don't necessarily see it. But I shared the examples I did because those were really concrete examples of how it changed the atmosphere, how it changed what was going on in that place. There was an immediate change to the behavior of certain people that were in you know in our sphere of influence and that's why I shared those examples but that's what's happening every time we do this every time we worship instead of feeling afraid or down um, in a situation or every time we invite Holy Spirit to come in and change the atmosphere where we are we are displacing the darkness even if we don't see it immediately so I just encourage people give it a try go this week to work or school or wherever you're headed give it a try see if you can make a change in your place of influence by inviting Holy Spirit by inviting God and his light into those places and displacing the darkness.
Yeah, I think there's no doubt you'll experience God moving in those places. And I think there will be a change in the atmosphere and in the attitudes and behaviors of the people that are impacted by that. I mean, God is so powerful and God is so good. When we do that, it brings blessing. Where there's curse, God gives a blessing. I just think it's really lovely. Well, it's really been great to have this discussion and just talk about some of these testimonies of God's goodness, of His light displacing the darkness. Our prayer for you today is that whatever situation you're facing, may God's light shift that darkness and release His blessing, release His hope, release His goodness into your life. This has been the Kingfisher Podcast with Eric and Bronwyn Whitley. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.